everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. You're listening to This Week Again. I'm your host, Suzanne Posel. This episode has an unintentional theme. Don't worry, we're not making a habit of this. We're going to start off with the lies that get you arrested, move on to the lies that get you convicted, and follow all of that up with the lies that are told on television. Let's begin, shall we? In this day and age, when it feels like elected officials just lie their way through anything without consequences, it's good to know that the DOJ doesn't play that game. Facing scrutiny over lies he told about his heritage, his education, his professional pedigree, and pretty much everything else. New York Congressman George Santos is being charged with federal criminal offenses. It is a 13-count indictment. He is charged with seven counts of wire fraud, three counts of money laundering, one theft of public funds, and two counts of making false statements to the House of Representatives. The U.S. Representative from Long Island has been reportedly under investigation since winning his first term in 2022. Well, it's finally happened. New York Rep. George Anthony Katara Ravish DeVolder Zabrowski Santos was arrested because that's what happens when consequences come chasing you. Consequences like the charge of wire fraud, which means whatever his name is, use the internet and or phone lines to fleece his donors and U.S. taxpayers by campaign contributions that were then used to buy his nifty outfits and his fabulous lifestyle. While he was simultaneously receiving $25,000 in COVID unemployment benefits after he was elected to Congress. Because Qatar Ravish demands only the best the U.S. taxpayer and campaign donors can afford. And as a side note, whatever his name is was on Capitol Hill this week, pushing a bill he co-sponsored that would go after people committing unemployment fraud. Because when the worst Kevin needs to hold a majority in the House, he'll let you be as ironic as possible. So you may be asking yourself... How could a con artist that has survived for nearly 30 years on lies and the gullible finances of others get caught in such a spectacular fashion? And the answer is, lying George is his own worst enemy. What he did with his campaign money and his campaign finance disclosure forms. And the feds are alleging that he wasn't being honest or accurate with his campaign filings. (laughs) He did it to himself. This case and the evidence to back up the Fed's claim is based on campaign filings and disclosure forms, whatever his name is, filled out and then filed. (laughs) Don't you just love it when the criminals turn themselves in before you're even aware a crime has been committed? Oh, and don't forget, this crime isn't just on paper. It also comes with audio recordings of the criminal talking about the crimes he was going to be criming. So for exposition purposes, this recording you're about to hear was made as part of a documentary on student loan debt that whatever his name is participated in back in January. Roll tape. So the way I look at it is they're not understanding. If they, the question is simple. George, why was your income 55000 in 2020, and why is your income drastically higher? Well, here's the answer to that. I have, we struck a deal with the company so nobody went unemployed and got 
reduced to like a very basic salary, just so we, as we called it, livable wages in the company, um, so we can get by because our industry was capital introduction via vis-a-vis conferences, vis-a-vis speed dating, all that in, in, in private equity, and managing limited partner, general partner relationships and investment groups. So long story short, I went from 2019 bringing in 400 and something thousand dollars to, yeah, in 2020, my reported income was 55 k It was, I couldn't be more legitimate. I actually qualified for unemployment. <laughs> oh boy, George, when you concoct a harebrained scheme to get COVID unemployment benefits, you certainly do not tell the guy filming a documentary about you. There. <laughs> But it gets even funnier, folks, because when it comes to misappropriation of campaign funds, whatever his name is will waste no time throwing his staff directly under the bus for something shady that he's definitely doing. This is a very complicated process. You hire people throughout this process that are going to do you justice, and you hire people that won't do you justice. And the benefit of it all is... I learned through this process, and we get to rectify no criminal conduct. It's, it's, it's an honest error. We're fixing it. Great. Second, I discovered that the person I trusted throughout this entire process might or might have or might have not done some kind of insanity with like not not ne- not negligent, but just unprofessional levels of of financing uh, filings on the FEC reports. Mm-hmm. You hire a fiduciary, you trust them. And you, you go to sleep at night like, oh, I hired a company, reputation, 30 years into business, has done a congressman, congressman, former congressman with his album stuff for 14 years. Is it shocking that the lyingest of lying congresspersons has a defense of plausible deniability built right into their criminal activities? <laughs> no, it's not. It's also not shocking to say that a rogue staff member is somehow responsible because they filed the admissions of guilt whatever his name is is calling mistakes on his fec campaign finance filings (laughs) it's also some elementary level shift blaming and i can't wait to see his lawyers use that negative nonsense as his defense in court oh fingers crossed And speaking of liars getting caught lying, the Floridian Fondler has a new moniker of sexual predator, thanks to the jury who just awarded E. Jean Carroll $5 million in her defamation lawsuit against the pussy grabber for grabbing her pussy 27 years ago. A Manhattan jury has found former President Donald Trump liable for sexually abusing and then defaming writer E. Jean Carroll. She accused the former president of raping her in a department store dressing room back in the 90s. The six men and three women of the jury found that Trump sexually abused Carroll in a department store dressing room in the 1990s. They did agree Trump defamed Carroll by calling her story a complete con job, a hoax and a lie, and insisting Carroll was not my type. The jury took less than three hours to reach their decision ordering Trump to pay Carol $5 million in damages. Well, folks, it may not be the civil legal definition of rape, 
or the fact that an incident that occurred nearly 30 years ago is very hard to prove considering how often department stores remodel their dressing rooms. But this woman did the improbable and had enough evidence to convince a jury of her peers that she was at the very least definitely sexually assaulted by Mr. Orange Bar back in 1996. And how many times have we heard that Carol, who is today 79 years old, isn't the Maralardo sexual offenders type? Which is why this tangerine-tainted predator couldn't have possibly sexually assaulted Carol in the first place, ignoring the fact that in 1996, Carol was just 56 years old and apparently a dead ringer for the pussy grabber's then-wife, Marla Maples. Here is Grabby McBronzer answering a question during his deposition for Carol's defamation suit where this senile sack of skullduggery can't even tell the difference between two women with blonde hair. And believe me, folks, it's a very big difference. Showing the jury the moment in a deposition when Trump saw a photo of Carol and confused her for his ex-wife, Marla Maples. It's Marla. You're saying Marla's in this photo? That's Marla, yeah. That's, that's my wife. Which woman are you pointing to? No. Here. Carol. Oh, that, the oh, person okay. you just pointed to was oh, Eugene Carroll. Carroll's team said that moment proved Carol was exactly Donald Trump's type. <laughs> yeah, so tell me again, after you confuse a woman you assaulted with a woman that you married, how Eugene Carroll isn't your type. And while we're at it, remember that Access Hollywood tape where bloated fondler coined the phrase pussy grabber because when you're a star, they let you do it? Yeah, that was the tiny-handed assaulter's excuse during the recorded deposition he made with Carol's lawyers regarding the fact that, or the reason why, he couldn't have possibly have raped Carol in a department store dressing room. Roll tape. In this video, I just start kissing them. It's like a magnet. Just kiss. I don't even wait. And when you're a star, they let you do it. You can do anything. Grab them by the <laughs> You can do anything. That's what you said, correct? Well, historically, that's true with stars. It's true with stars that, that they can grab women by the Well, that's what... It's, if you look over the last million years, I guess that's been largely true. Not always, but largely true. Unfortunately or fortunately. And you consider yourself uh, to be a star? I think you can say that, yeah. Oh, well, this extra crispy eight-piece bucket considers himself a star, which explains why he followed a woman who reminded him of his wife into a dressing room and performed unwanted sexual acts on her. <laughs> you heard the man. He's a star. Which may be why he couldn't be bothered to leave Scotland, where the people were very loud and clear, mostly loud, about not wanting him to visit their country, to defend himself in Carol's case, choosing only to sit down to a recorded deposition with Carol's lawyers. So not showing up to court, admitting on camera that Carol was actually his type, and then claiming that because he's a star, he could grab any woman he wanted by the pussy, proving enough to a jury that, yes, this future 2024 presidential loser is a sexual predator and should probably register or something. <laughs> but instead of just 
having the right thing happen, CNN decided to reward this overbronzed blob with a 90-minute pep rally with all of his favorite maggots sitting in the audience, ready to laugh at anything this senile idiot thought was funny and cheer on his lies. Starting with the January 6th rioters' favorite bedtime story. And that was a rigged election. All over the world, they looked at it, and uh, they saw exactly what everyone else saw. The Mr. FBI, President. If you look at the FBI and Twitter, uh, they call it Twitter files, made a big difference. If you look at Mr. President, the vote, back to what you just said there, though, it, it was not a rigged election. It was not a stolen election. Can you publicly acknowledge that you did lose the 2020 let election? Me, let me just go on. If you look at True the Vote, they found millions of votes on camera, on government cameras, where uh, they were stuffing ballot boxes. So. so when someone told this walking, talking comb over to go big on his big night, he decided to go with the biggest lie he's ever told. And not just that there was widespread voter fraud committed against him in 2020, but he never, ever mentions that the actual cases of voter fraud from 2020 were done by his supporters. In 2021, the CFO of the company that hosted a Trump rally in the year prior pleaded guilty to voting for his dear leader twice in 2020. Twice. In May of 2021, a maggot voter from Arizona used her mother's name because she was dead so she could vote twice. Twice. A Pennsylvania maggot registered his dead mother and <laughs> his dead mother-in-law so he could vote not just once, not just twice, but three times in 2020. And folks, I could go on and on and on, but I think you get my point. Scooby-Coo, on the other hand, eh, not so much. Do you have any regrets about your actions on January 6th? January 6th had to do with the fact that hundreds of thousands of people, and you don't see the pictures very often. A lot of the people here probably were there. January 6th, it was the largest crowd I've ever spoken to. That was prior to the walk down to the Capitol building. I don't think, and I've spoken to hundreds of thousands of people. I've never spoken to a crowd as large as this. And that was because they thought the election was rigged. And they were there proud. They were there with love in their heart. That was an unbelievable, and it was a beautiful day. Oh, me too. I remember it like it was yesterday. The sun was shining, and all the clouds in the sky were actually tear gas going off because there was a mob of tens of thousands of maggots descending on the Capitol steps, climbing the walls like the whitest version of Donkey Kong that I'd ever seen on live television, not to mention these very fine people, with love in their hearts, of course, smeared their own feces all over the walls inside the Capitol once they got in. I guess beauty is in the eye of the wannabe fascist? Ugh. <laughs> I don't need any of that. But unfortunately, folks, this does circle us back to E. Jean Carroll, because when asked about the verdict on CNN... After the judge put old types on the toilet at 3 a.m. under a gag order, Jabba the Predator said this. 
This was a jury of nine people who found you liable of sexual abuse. Do you think that, that that will deter women from voting for you? No, I don't think so, because I think the whole thing, just so you understand, ready? I never met this woman. I never saw this woman. This woman said, I met her at the front door of Bergdorf Goodwin, which I rarely go into, other than for a couple of charities. I met her in the front door. She was about 60 years old, and this is like 22, 23 years ago. I met her in the front door of Bergdorf Goodman. I was immediately attracted to her, and she was immediately attracted to me. And we had this great chemistry. We're walking into a crowded department, so we had this great chemistry. And a few minutes later, we end up in a, a room, a dressing room of Bergdorf Goodman, <laughs> right near the cash register. And then she found out there were locks on the door. So she said, I found one that was open. She found one. She learned this at trial. She found one that was open. What kind of a woman meets somebody and brings them up, and within minutes, you're playing hanky-panky in a dressing room, okay? Well, okay. I guess if you are going to violate a judge's gag order, you might as well admit to sexually assaulting the woman who just accused you of doing that. And the slut-shaming? Why, that's just how mushroom-shaped dicks save face in public when a woman rejects their sexual advances and they respond by forcing them into dressing rooms and raping, I mean, sexually assaulting them. Not to mention the room of 400 deplorables laughing over the story of how Tiny Hands McFondler may have violated a woman in 1996. See, there is at least 74 million vile excuses for human beings we have discovered since 2020, but it's a good thing CNN only decided to put up a couple hundred and use them as audience members, turning this platform into a pep rally. And uh, as long as we're talking about, aren't you glad this guy isn't president? He continued on in his ludicrous fashion, talking about the debt ceiling and defaulting. This poster child for not paying his bills said this would be good for the country. I say to the Republicans out there, congressmen, senators, if they don't give you massive cuts, you're going to have to do a default. It's better than what we're doing right now because we're spending money like drunken sailors. So you know just to be clear, Mr. President, you think the U.S. should default if the White House does not agree to the spending cuts, Republicans well, are demanding. you might as well do it now because you'll do it later. Because we have to save this country. Our country is dying. Our country is being destroyed by stupid people, by very stupid people. You once said that using the, that using the debt ceiling as a negotiating wedge uh, just could not happen. You, you said that when sure. you were in the That's Oval Office. That's when I was president. To, so why is it different now that you're out of office? Because now I'm not president. <laughs> Of course, a guy who defaults on his debts as a business model would say that America should do the same. He has used bankruptcy to get away with not paying his debt on six failed companies and has 13 more failures to his name because he's really bad at business and not for nothing. But the reason why the U.S. debt is so high is because when McDonald's breath was president, his administration and the Republican-controlled Congress gave tax breaks to their wealthy donors and corporate buddies, leaving the U.S. government with less revenue than they were owed, but still being expected to pay for everything. President Biden has been able to reduce the debt by $3 trillion over the course of the next 10 years, but when Dumpy begrudgingly left the White House, he had run up the U.S. debt by $7.8 trillion. 
from what it was when he took office in 2016. And let's not forget, folks, the debt represents money that has already been spent. If Republicans have a problem with the U.S. debt and overspending, then they should probably stop giving back taxpayer money to their friends. Because since Reagan, they are the ones who have made America the debt capital of the world. When Reagan was president in the long ago time of 1981 to 1989, he raised the U.S. debt from $70 billion to $175 billion. His Republican VP turned seven points of light fanatic George Bush Sr. raised the debt to $300 billion. Democrat President Bill Clinton brought the U.S. debt to zero during his tenure as president, but his predecessor and son of Reagan's VP George Bush Jr. raised the debt from zero to $1.2 trillion in just eight years. And to think, all that guy really wanted was to be baseball commissioner in Texas. <laughs> Maybe we should have just let him have the job. So then we have Democrat President Barack Obama, who took Bush's $1.2 trillion and reduced it to $600 billion. And that brings us to old drinks with two hands, who said to George Bush Jr., hold my Diet Coke, and raised the U.S. debt by $7.2 trillion, the most debt the U.S. has ever incurred in the 240 years that we have been a country. Taking financial advice from that guy is stupid. About as stupid as donating money to a billionaire. Maggots. <laughs> Anywho, it's at this point in the CNN dump rally, the subject of why this tiny-handed grifter stole o over 300 classified documents from the U.S. government after he was voted out of office, was brought up. And <laughs> wouldn't you know it, Grumpy Orange Grumus didn't want to talk about it, so he resorted to acting like a fifth grader. Why you held on to those documents when you knew the federal government was seeking them and then had given you a subpoena to return them? Are you them. ready? Are you ready? Can I talk? Yeah, what's you the mind? answer? Can I, do you mind? I would like for you to answer the okay, question. Okay, it's very simple to answer. That's why I asked it. It's very simple to You're a nasty person, I'll tell you. <laughs> Can you answer why you, very why simple. you held on to Leave it to this orange-tinted snowflake to start name-calling. Once he was asked about why he stole government secrets, he had absolutely no right to because he had been fired. Too bad the CNN host didn't have the wherewithal to ask about special counsel Jack Smith's interest in the last golf tournament Marilardo had in Florida for a bunch of his Saudi friends because he had the no-no docs at the same time and place. So... But instead of getting any semblance of journalism and CNN is under new Republican management, this shit show could have garnered some integrity, maybe even a shred, if they'd actually had people smearing shit on stage. Because other than that, it was 90 minutes of showing off America's first fascist mushroom dictator and an audience to boot. Now, Jake Tapper... I don't know how you sleep at night working for this big disgrace in American journalism since Fox started calling themselves news. But apparently, since signing up this $13 million gig with CNN about a year ago, he has come up 
and decided that since the animals are going to mark their territory, he's going to shine some obviousness on the situation and, of course, wax moral decorum. Roll tape. About the threat to Vice President Pence, about Pence's ability to overturn the election, about COVID, about the economy and more. He called a black law enforcement officer a thug. He said people here in Washington, D.C. at Chinatown don't speak English. He attacked Caitlin as a nasty woman because she was trying to get him to answer a question. Perhaps most chillingly, the day after a nine-person jury of his peers in New York found him liable for sexual battery and defamation and ordered him to pay writer E. Jean Carroll $5 million, he made fun of her account of her sexual assault. And many in the audience laughed. And I would like to say on behalf of everyone who watched the 90-minute CNN glorification of a twice-impeached, criminally indicted, sexual predator who might end up the recipient of the Republican presidential nomination in 2024. Thanks, Jake, but no thanks for your fake, outrage-filled recap. First off, we're never going to get to unsee that carbonated clown stick walking around stage like his shoes are too heavy, wearing frumpy clothes to hide 270 pounds of way too many trips to KFC. Secondly, your leveraging your reputation as a credible journalist is what's going to save you when your network is willfully choosing to shed their credibility in order to fill a void left by Fox by holding a primetime pep rally for the dear leader of convicted, seditious insurrectionists. And for what? If I were Jake Tapper, I would get the tuck out of there before CNN perfects the alternative facts business model that Fox has been using for the last eight years. But then again, I'm not in the same tax bracket that Jake finds himself in. And therefore, I guess it doesn't matter when I say that this town hall never should have happened. Because if you ask CNN's very own Anderson Cooper about whether or not it was right for CNN to give airtime to a grifting con man who incited a riot on our Capitol to stop a legit election from being legitimized, whether or not that is irresponsible journalism, he will call it something else. Many of you are upset that someone who attempted to destroy our democracy was invited to sit on a stage in front of a crowd of Republican voters to answer questions and predictably continued to spew lie after lie after lie. And I get it. The man you were so disturbed to see and hear from last night, that man is the front runner for the Republican nomination for president. And according to polling, no other Republican is even close. So if last night showed anything, it showed it can happen again. It is happening again. You have every right to be outraged today and angry and never watch this network again. But do you think staying in your silo and only listening to people you agree with is going to make that person go away? If lies are allowed to go unchecked, as imperfect as our ability to check them is on a stage in real time, those lies continue and those lies spread. If you're angry or upset, I understand. But you have the power to do something about it. You can actually get involved. You can make it different. After last night, none of us can say, I didn't know what's out there. <laughs> oh, Cooper, tell me CNN pays you $15 million a year to say tone deaf things in your relatable voice without telling me you. <laughs> 
I don't know. Does this guy really think because no one's watching CNN that no one knows what's going on? Because Newsflash, we've been watching the whole time. And since we're not all suffering from selective dementia like maggots seem to be, Cooper, you got to pay attention. We are saying that we do not need to be subjected to the blithering lies of an overbronzed businessman whose corporate career is about as successful as he is thinking we don't know that that's a comb over. Oh, and, you know, not for nothing, but Coop, we know that the guy who recently took over CNN is not only a supporter of Coop DeVille, but he also donates money to him and has in the past and is currently doing so. So not only that, but your new guy over at CNN running the whole entire friggin' media conglomerate. Yeah, that guy. He told his staff in a conference call back in 2020 that the host should stop using terms like big lie and stolen election because these terms are used by Democrats and the use of them will delegitimize their network as impartial well (laughs) if i got news for you when you gave the sex abuser an hour and a half to spew his big lie that the 2020 election was stolen you broke your own rules and you delegitimized yourself as being non-impartial so let's be honest here cnn is and has been hurting for ratings for a long time now having the vanity manity on air during prime time of course brought you a little boost that you had so desperately been needing but what can you expect from corporate america right whether it's media or selling you a product (laughs) they're worried about money they're not worried about democracy they're not worried about false information They're not worried about misleading their audience. They just want to make sure that you tune in. And that's all I have to say about that. New episodes of This Week Again air every Sunday, and you can follow us on social media wherever you can find us. You can also listen to us wherever you can find us, like Spotify and iHeartRadio and Audible, Amazon Music. Thank you so much for listening to this show, and to Dare for now.